All right, well, it is awesome to see all of you with us today, and I uh, just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for all who are watching online. We've got a great message for you this morning. Today we kick off the second half of a series here at Hope Community Church on the book of Isaiah. So we're getting back into it. We're going to be in chapter 40 today, so if you have your Bible, open up to the book of Isaiah chapter 40. And here in chapter 40, we find God pouring out his heart in what has to be one of the most heartfelt and breathtaking messages of encouragement in the entire Bible. Could anyone here today use just a little bit of encouragement? Come on, I could use a little bit of encouragement today. Yeah, maybe some challenges in life, some difficulties, some, some, uh, some struggles. I'm with you. I, I actually have back at home a, a box where I save all the encouraging cards that people have written me over the years. Does anyone have a box like that? Just a box of those cards? Yeah, I mean, I've got that. I've got the box. And anytime someone writes me a, an encouraging note, I, I save every one of them. And uh, I've, got, I've got some notes from some of you here. And uh, I had the opportunity of going through that box this week. And uh, I, was, I was completely blessed uh, just by the, the sheer number of messages of encouragement I've gotten from my wife, alone. Uh, I must have, hang on here, I'm getting signals. Can you guys hear me all right? No, oh, okay. My mic says it's on. Do you want me to switch to the handheld? I could go handheld. You can hear me? You want me to keep going? Okay, all right. I'm good online? Good. Well, there we go. We're good. Okay, the box. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me back. Okay, so I have a box, and by far the greatest encourager in my wife, in my life, is my wife, Angie. So I, I got the box, I opened it up, and I dumped out all these cards. Oh, ooh, hello. Hey, yo. And I must have hundreds and hundreds of cards just from Angie alone. I've saved every one of them. I have cards or notes, actually, that she wrote and put on my windshield when we were dating. I have little sticky notes, uh, just like, love you, babe, that she put in my lunchbox. You know, back in our early years of marriage, I found some love notes. Really enjoyed those. Not telling you anything about those, but got some love notes in there. And I was blown away by all the encouragement that I received from reading those notes. It truly filled my heart with joy. And uh, I, I found a note. I had to laugh. Uh, one of the cards came from a time when Angie and I were dating. And at the time, she was 15, almost 16. I was 18. I had just turned 18. And I was graduating from high school. And it was that time of year when everybody signs the yearbooks, you know, that, that wonderful day, and she had written me a card uh, thanking me for what I had written in her yearbook. And this is what she wrote. I, I just had to smile here. She says, thank you for what you wrote me in my yearbook. It was one of the sweetest things I've ever read. Aww. <laughs> I'm just so encouraged. <laughs> and then she says, she goes, see, at this time, we didn't know where our relationship was going to go. I mean, I... For all we knew, I was going to go off to college somewhere. We were going to live around, whatever. We had no idea. So she says, I know someday 
I'll either hear your voice on the radio or I'll see you on the 700 Club. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, I didn't get the club, but I got the girl. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yes. Uh, but just taking that time to reread some of those encouraging notes from Angie was such a powerful experience. And it just reminded me how good it is to be encouraged, reminded me how grateful I am for her love and how much I need love. We all need love and encouragement, not just from one another, but we need it from the Lord. And that's what we're going to find in our passage today. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, God reinforces his love for us with uh, just tender and powerful words of encouragement. We come today to chapter 40, which is a turning point in the book of Isaiah. We studied chapters 1 through 39 last fall, and now we begin the exciting study of chapters 40 through 66. You might remember from the fall how Isaiah is like a mini-Bible. Uh, for those of you who are, who are here, I Isaiah really is like a Bible in miniature. You can see in the chart... The Bible has how many books? 66 books. 27 in the New Testament and 39 in the Old Testament. How cool is this? Pretty amazing. Isaiah has 66 chapters, which breaks down into two distinct halves of 39 chapters and 27 chapters. It gets even more amazing than that. The message of chapters 1 through 39 perfectly summarizes the message of the Old Testament. We, we, as we studied chapters 1 through 39, do you remember what it was about? God loves his people, but they've sinned, they've broken God's law, and now judgment is coming? Does that kind of remind you of the Old Testament? Totally, right? Because the first half of Isaiah summarizes the message of the Old Testament. Now we come to chapter 40, and as we prepare for the next 27 chapters, we'll see that chapters, 20, chapters 40 through 66 perfectly summarizes the message of the New Testament. As uh, David Pawson highlights, that chapter 40 begins with a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Who's that? That's John the Baptist, and then it moves to a servant of the Lord who is anointed with the Holy Spirit, who will die for the sins of the people, and then is risen and exalted after death. Then it moves to, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. And finally, the book of Isaiah ends with God making all things new, saying, see, I make a new heavens and a new earth. Does that sound like the New Testament to you? Pretty cool, right? In fact... Uh, the second half of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 66, gets quoted more than 65 times in the New Testament. That's pretty amazing, right? If you take the whole Bible and squish it into one book, you got the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is the Bible in miniature. It's a mini Bible. Not only does the tone change here in Isaiah from kind of that Old Testament to New Testament feel, uh, the context changes too. And chapters 1 through 39 are actually written during the lifetime of, well, the whole thing's written in the lifetime of the book of Isaiah. But chapters 1 through 39 focus on the time period of Isaiah's life, which is 740 to 680 B.C. 
And a lot of chapters 1 through 39 focuses on the threat of Assyria. Assyria is coming. We saw that last week. We have Hezekiah in the city of Jerusalem and Isaiah is there. And they're encouraging one another as the Assyrians have come. But then in chapters 40 to 66, the context changes. And this is really important. Isaiah is now speaking 150 years into the future to the time of the Babylonian exile. If you don't know what all that's about, we'll, uh, I'll explain that here in a little bit. But the most important thing to know is that the context has changed. This is, Isaiah is now speaking to a time after his death um, when Babylon will come and take God's people into exile. So in the midst of this, Isaiah is going to give a powerful message of hope and encouragement. And I think we all need this today. Whatever you're going through, whatever challenge you're facing, we come today needing encouragement from the Lord. And we're going to see this encouragement comes to us through four voices found throughout Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. And I'm just going to highlight these here because as we read it, I want you to look for these four voices. You have the first voice in verse 1, a second voice in verse 3, a third voice in verse 6, and then a fourth voice in verse 9. So four voices to encourage us today from Isaiah 40. Listen to this. Isaiah 40, 1 through 11. You have it, follow along. This is what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a way for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The, the grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good, good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. As we sang earlier, maybe your translation reads, behold your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd, he gathers the lambs in his arm and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Let's pray. Wow, what a powerful message of encouragement for us today. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so powerfully and that you carry us close to your heart. We're not far from the heart of God today because you're speaking. You're speaking to us. And so we come, God, with hearts prepared. We confess our sins. We, we acknowledge our 
dependence and our neediness today for you and for a voice of love and encouragement that can only come from you. Thank you, God, that you're an ever-present help in times of trouble. So speak to our heart today, God, in only the way that you can speak to us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm excited here. Four voices to encourage us from Isaiah 41 through 11. Number one, the voice of comfort. Voice of comfort, verse one. We've all seen pictures this week from Kiev, um, and, and just our hearts break for the people of Ukraine as we see the, the devastation to the city and the lives that have been shattered. And I put that picture up there because God's people had experienced something similar. In 586 BC, the Babylonians marched against the city of Jerusalem and they destroyed the city. They burned it with fire, not even sparing the temple of God. It would have been decimated just like this. And then the Babylonians took all the people who lived there, the majority of them, and they forced them to relocate to the land of Babylon. They were taken from their homes and exiled to Babylon. That's what we refer to as the Babylonian exile. And so they had been through this really difficult time that, that the prophets had foretold. Isaiah, even in chapters 1 through 39, is saying the sword is going to come. Judgment is going to come. You know, turn back to the Lord. Well, God's people had suffered for their sins in Babylon. They, had fe they felt defeated. They felt discouraged. You know, as many of us can feel at times. But I want you to listen to how God speaks to them. Verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Isn't that beautiful, how God speaks to us in the midst of our discouragement? Speak tenderly. Like God speaks with the, the greatest compassion and the most tender affection. We have in verse 1 a God who loves us. He speaks the way that, that I, you know, me as a dad, I want to speak to my children this way. And no matter what you've done, no matter the, the sin in your past, you know, here's a God who wants a relationship with you. Comfort my people. Speak tenderly. He speaks from his heart into our heart. And he's speaking to your heart this morning. What's the message from God's heart to our heart? Verse 2. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I can't think of a more comforting word of encouragement for us today in our life and in our relationship with the Lord than the fact that our sin has been paid for. You think about that. It's been paid for. It is finished. That's what Jesus said on the cross. But it says here that not only has it been paid for, do you see it says that they've received double. And so not, not only has the sin been paid for, but it's been more than paid for. How, how could that be? The, Babylon, the Babylonians had taken God's people into exile. They spent 70 years in exile for their sins. But 70 years of exile could not be a double payment for generations of sin, could it? See, it's not them paying the price for their sin. What, what could, this is very mysterious, right? The, the idea of sin being paid for, it, it's actually a word that's used in the book of Leviticus. And it occurs frequently in the book of Le Leviticus, the sin being paid for. In every case, it has to do with the forgiveness of sins that comes through the blood 
shed of an animal that is sacrificed. So Isaiah and God's people would have had this context. But if we'll continue to read, and as we do, we'll, we'll find another clue to the mystery of God providing this payment for sin. A few chapters later, in Isaiah 53, God says he's going to make an even greater payment for sin. But, but it's not a payment that, that they're going to make. It's a payment that someone else is going to make. A perfect lamb be pierced for our transgressions. And we know this today, that God did this for us in Jesus Christ. Right? God came for us in Jesus. He went all the way to the cross. His blood was shed. He raised to new life, reigning, bringing all things under his feet. Right? Jesus paid the ultimate price for sin in the ultimate act of love. And the good news today is that you don't have to feel distant from God. Our sin has been paid for. Jesus paid it all on the cross of Christ. Our sin is fully forgiven. But what that means for you today is that, that you have the pleasure of God over your life. He delights over you. You are fully accepted today. You're fully accepted wherever you're at because of Jesus Christ. Couldn't think of a more wonderful and glorious announcement than the announcement that our sin has been paid in full. Jesus took our sin for us. And that is the first voice. It is a voice of comfort. Comfort, my people. Speak tenderly. Second voice to encourage us is the voice of preparation. Verse 3, the voice of preparation. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah announces that God is coming. His glory will be revealed. But before that happens, a voice will prepare his way. Who's that voice? Help me out. Absolutely. Right? It's obviously John the Baptist. Every gospel writer in the New Testament quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them quote from Isaiah chapter 40 as referring to the ministry of John the Baptist. And of course, like, where does John the Baptist preach? Preaches in the desert, in the wilderness. And, and what is he doing there in the, the wilderness? He is summoning God's people to prepare for the coming of God himself. The capital L-O-R-D in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. How amazing is this? The glory of the Lord will be revealed, Isaiah says, and all people will see it together. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's another John, the John who wrote the Gospel of John. He said it this way. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory. 700 years before any of this happened, Isaiah predicts it. I like that. The word of the Lord really does endure forever. And if he has spoken, it will come to pass. Because his word never fails. It's a voice of preparation. 
encouraging us. What does it mean to prepare? Back then, when a king came to a city, he'd send a runner on ahead. And the forerunner had, a, had the job of getting the roads in shape for the coming of the king. And so if a, you know, wouldn't that be great if a king came to Pennsylvania? We might get some of those potholes filled. You know what I'm saying? You know, every valley filled. That's what I'm talking about. We still do this today. When the, that, that, the limo, you know, that the president of the United States rides in, you ever seen that? Presidential convoy. Uh, whenever the, the, you have that limo, the president of the United States, there's, there's always a convoy of about 40 or 50 cars. It's a big kind of thing. But before that convoy, they'll send out a whole other group of, of vehicles. It's usually like uh, local police on motorcycles. And they're going on ahead, and they're shutting down streets and clearing the way. That's what John the Baptist came to do. God sent John the Baptist on ahead to prepare the way for the coming of God himself. But the preparation that John gave to the people and that all of us need here today is not a road construction project. It's a preparation of the heart. And this heart preparation is something that John the Baptist called repentance. It is through repentance that, that comes into our life. Through repentance, we grow closer to God. The whole life of the believer is a life of repentance. Isaiah says, Every valley raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. It's a picture of the heart work, which we call repentance. Take a look at this, the heart preparation here. Mountains. What mountains in my heart need to be brought low? Am I putting something above God today? Repentance is, that's got to come low. The mountains becoming low. Valleys. Do I have a sense of my incompleteness? Before God, there's a valley there that only God can fill. Rugged places. Do I invite Jesus into the rugged places of my heart? It is in the preparation of the heart where God most fully reveals his presence to me and to you. God, would you prepare my heart today? Would I have a heart just like this, a heart of repentance? Prepare the way of the Lord so his glory can be revealed. Three voices of encouragement. Number one, the voice of comfort. Our sins have been paid for. Number two, voice of preparation. Prepare our hearts. Number three, the voice of dependability. This is verse six. Here it is, here it is again, a voice. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. All their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This voice shares a message that uh, we don't often hear. Maybe we don't want to hear it. It's just this simple and powerful message that our life is short. Our life is a breath. It's like a flower here in a moment. 
I'm thinking about some of the times, a special occasion where I got Angie a bouquet of flowers. That had to be a pretty special occasion, right? Because what happens? Like you give someone flowers and they're so beautiful and meaningful and special. And in a matter of days, they're gone. Flowers wither, petals drop off. And God says, that's a picture of what our life is like. It's a moment. It's a breath. I think I've had so much fun this week reading some of the encouraging cards that Angie had written me, and especially those ones from back when we were dating. And I just think if anybody would have gone back uh, 22 years ago to when Angie and I were dating, and they said, hey, you know what? You're going to get married in your 20s, and then just like that, you're going to be in your 40s. I I wouldn't have believed them. Think back over your life. Isn't it such a breath? Isn't it so brief? You think back on how quickly it goes. And when I think about how, how quick life is and, and how everything can be gone in a second, it, it just reminds me, I want to do what matters most. And, I, and, and we all, we, all, we want to give our lives to the most important things. And my encouragement to you today is, do you have a dream in your heart? Go after that dream. Do you have a family that needs you? Take time to be with your family. You have things to study, students. You have a change to make or a relationship to mend. What are we waiting for? This life is short. It's but a moment. We want to live for the things that matter most. How do we know what matters most in our life? Well, I think this passage gives us a clue. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And I know that the best way to live my life is to live my life according to the word of God. You can't convince me otherwise. Right? The, the most meaningful way that we can live our life today is to live our life for the word of God. The word of God endures forever. You can depend on it. You can count on it. Right? The flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. I've had people Look at me in shock when they find out that Angie and I didn't live together before we were married. We didn't do all those things. Why? Because we wanted to do our relationship according to the word of God. In Genesis 2.24, you guys know what that says? It talks about how uh, husband and wife, right, they leave father and mother, then united to the spouse, and only then naked and not ashamed. And I know in our culture today, that's crazy, right? That's, that's, pe- people that do that, that, that's crazy, right? It's weird. But in our culture today, so is a good marriage. I think about finances. When Angie and I got married, we had a couple sit down with us, and they go, you know what, here's what the Bible says about finances. Here's what it says about debt and spending and contentment right? and honoring God in your finances. And 22 years ago, Angie and I made the decision that every paycheck we get, we're going to give the first 10% to the Lord. And I would have thought, that's crazy. 10%. Are you kidding me? But after 22 years of honoring God in my finances, you know what I've learned? I'd rather live off 90% according to God's will than 100% according to my own will. 
I have experienced blessing after blessing in my life simply by depending on the word of God. It doesn't fail. It never fails. And if you're here today and there's an area where you're not following the Lord, I have those areas in my life too. And here's what I'd encourage you today. Right? The past is the past. We can't change the past. Only thing that can be done with the past is God can forgive the past. And he does because Christ paid it all. But we want to let go of the past and we want to go forward in obedience on the word of God. Because when we go out in obedience on the word of God, it opens up God's windows of blessing. Right? It, it places us in a place where we are prepared to live out the life that God is calling us to live. And it is a life in dependence on the word of God. I'm telling you today, God's word will not fail you. You can go out in faith on the word of God because it is the unshakable word of God. There's only one voice in this world that will not fail you, and it is the unfailing, unshakable word of God. The word of the Lord endures forever. We can always depend on it. Four voices to encourage us. Number one, the voice of comfort. Two, preparation. Three, dependability. Last one, the voice of good news encourages us. Check out verse nine. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voices with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. Here's that tenderness of the Lord again. He gathers his lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Have you guys ever made an announcement before? I got a text last night from... Mark Mandaruga, have a little announcement. Baby number 12 is on the way. Can we just celebrate that? Yeah. Children are a blessing from the Lord. These guys are, are blessed, blessed, blessed. We're so happy for you guys. Uh, Bible calls that a full quiver. Children are a blessing from the Lord, and these guys have the, the whole quiver, and we're excited for you. I remember when my kids were born, and... We couldn't hold it back. We had to tell it to the world, shout it out, whatever. You know, we call our family. We text our friends. We took a million pictures, post them all over social media, you know, like, just like we all do with those big announcements. But here we have something bigger even than any of this. Isaiah talks about good news. You who bring good news to Zion, shout it out from a high mountain. What's the good news? What's the biggest announcement the world could ever hear? It's not just that someone has come, but God himself has come. How incredible is that? You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here it is. Here is your God. Right here at the start of the second half of Isaiah, we have Isaiah announcing good news. This is where we get the word Gospel. The word gospel means good news. What's the gospel? Do you guys know the gospel isn't just a new text? Here it is, right here in Isaiah. He's announcing good news. He's announcing the gospel. And what is it? 
that God himself will come to save us and to rescue us. It's the same gospel. God has done this for us in Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? My heart is that every one of you here today would be able to articulate the answer to this question. What is the gospel? Yes, we have four gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But when we talk about the singular gospel, we're talking about the announcement of good news of God's salvation. Look at this definition. Uh, I love it from Desiring God. Here's the gospel. What is the gospel? Here it is. Great definition. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over his enemies. Right? See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with the mighty arm. So that there's now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy, a relationship with God that lasts forever. That's our gospel. It's the good news. We who've believed in it, let's shout it out. Isaiah says, don't be afraid. Lift up your voice. Tell the world. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your kids. The amazing news of what God has done for us. In Jesus Christ. You never trusted in Christ and you're here today? What are you waiting for? You don't have a moment to lose. God comes to those who have repentant hearts. He comes to those who believe in Jesus and he brings everlasting joy. There's a lot to encourage us here today. Uh, Let's put up those four voices. Four voices to encourage us. And I'd like you to pick right now, is there one voice that stuck out to you. I really believe God is speaking from his heart to our heart today, just like those letters of encouragement. We have four voices to encourage us. Number one, the voice of comfort. Our sin has been paid for. The past is past. Jesus says, it is finished. You're fully accepted. Number two, the voice of preparation. The voice of of repentance. I need Jesus. I need him every day. I depend on him. That's the third voice, the voice of dependability. You can live your life according to God's word. You can depend on it. It will never fail you. His promise never fails. And then the voice of good news. The good news is we don't have to save ourselves. God came to do what we could never do and to provide a salvation that we could never achieve. All this comes together right now. Uh, The table of the Lord. We're going to take communion now. And I want to ask you to prepare your heart, especially today as we talk about preparation and and repentance. Scripture talks about preparing our heart when we come to the table, confessing our sin, acknowledging our need. So this is a moment for us to hear these voices of encouragement.